Hey everyone, welcome to Good Wolf Radio. It's Jerry Scarlato, founder and fitness coach of Thrivology in Alexandria, Kentucky. Today we will finish our conversation on overcoming obstacles. Thus far, we have talked about a number of different processes and regulations and brain areas and all that good stuff that goes into overcoming obstacles. If you want to know the in-depth portion of all that, make sure you go back and review parts one and two of this series. In brief, we talked about the bottoms-up process in which we take in sensory information and we react to that sensory information on mostly an unconscious and reflexive level. And on the other end, or sometimes at the same time, we use our top-down process in which we take in information. We use previous context and future thinking to come up with a plan how to utilize that information to move forward. So instead of reacting, we are responding deliberately to our environment and to the inputs that we're taking. If we use our bottoms-up process, which generally speaking is our flight process of the fight or flight response, then we will usually run away from obstacles. Whereas if we're using our top-down process, which is typically the fight part of our fight or flight response, then we will move forward. Or if we're going to put it a different way, we move forward into growth or back into safety once we're confronted with that obstacle. Remember that it is your amygdala activation, in other words, the emotional activation and how deep into that activation you go that kind of dictates whether or not you're gonna step forward or step back. And then we went over a three-step process last time. We talked about step number one, awareness and acceptance, step number two, developing a plan of action, and step number three, getting into action as soon as possible. Again, if you want more about those things, make sure that you go back to parts one and two of this series. Today, we're gonna to talk about strengthening your actions to overcome obstacles. Now, this can be put toward just actions in general, but since we're talking about obstacles, we're going to talk about it in the context of overcoming obstacles. Because if our actions are strong to begin with, then overcoming the obstacle will become much easier. If you recall, excuse me, the quote that I mentioned from Marcus Aurelius in part one of this, he talked about, we cannot uh, obstacles cannot impede our intentions and our dispositions. Remember, our dispositions is basically our identity, what we believe that we are and what, how we believe we can overcome, uh, overcome this obstacle, um, basically how we generally go about overcoming obstacles and what we believe about ourselves in that context. Our intentions, of course, are how purposeful we are about our actions. And that's what I want to really kind of hit on today is how purposeful we are about our actions and how we're going about thinking about our actions and about obstacles in general, because how we think about obstacles means a lot as well. Remember the definition of an obstacle, and this isn't a direct quote, this is off the top of my head, but the dictionary definition of an obstacle is a, a thing that stands in our way from making progress. And if we think about it in that context, when we're confronted with an obstacle, then we go, whoop, it's standing in my way and there's nothing I can do about it. But if we think about it 
in terms of what Marcus Aurelius tells us, we can accommodate and adjust to the obstacle and use it to our purpose, then we start to think about obstacles in a different manner. So as I have with this series, and I'm kind of revealing myself as a person that enjoys quotes a lot, I'm going to start off with a quote so that it can structure this episode. Uh, this quote comes from another Stoic philosopher. His name is Seneca. I forget his full name off the top of, top of my head. I think it's Marcus Tullius Seneca or something to that effect. If I'm wrong about that, please let me know. But we're going to call him Seneca for short. Um, so Seneca was a member of the court of mm, Nero, Emperor Nero, who was a complete and utter tyrant, ironically. Um, but we're not here to talk about Nero. We're here to talk about Seneca. Seneca wrote a bunch of letters to a guy named Lucilius. And in those letters, he talks a lot about his Stoic philosophy. One of the things that he mentions or one of the phrases from one of those letters goes as quoted. In short, the wise man looks to the purpose of all actions, not their consequences. Beginnings are in our power, but fortune judges the outcome. And I do not grant her a verdict upon me. So essentially what Seneca is telling us is that we can control the beginning. We can control our actions. What we cannot control as much is what happens after we have started our actions. And it, it is those two parts, our actions and how we're going about our actions, and then our feelings about what happens as we move forward that we're going to talk about. We're going to break that quote basically up and look at those two parts. So the first question of that quote can we can pull out of that is how purposeful are we being with our actions? How purposeful are we being? There's another story within Stoic philosophy of the Stoic archer. And basically the story goes, and this is from another Stoic philosopher named Cicero, but nonetheless, uh, the story goes that the Stoic archer can uh, notch his bow or notch his arrow, I guess maybe is how it technically goes. I'm not a hunter, so I don't know that for sure, but notch his arrow. He can draw his bow. He can point. He can aim. Um, he can look right at his target. But once he lets go, he can't do anything because the arrow has gone. So he can do everything very purposefully up until the point of letting go. But once, once he lets go of that arrow, it's flying, and there's nothing he can do about it. If a wind catches it, there's nothing he can do. If his, if his target moves, there's nothing, nothing he can do. But he can control everything up until that point. So if you think about the arrow as our actions or putting the arrow into the bow and pulling the bow back and aiming, that's our actions toward our goal then we can be purposeful about our actions. If we go back again to our showing up series, I've been recalling or referencing that a lot, so it might be worth going back and listening to that series again. If we go back to that, we, we see that there are three types of goals. First, there are outcome goals. Outcome goals are things that we're trying to achieve. I want to lose 10 pounds. I want to run a marathon in under four hours whatever. It's, it's an outcome that we're trying to achieve. Underneath of that, if you will, are process goals. Process goals are things that we're going to implement 
to help us achieve our outcome. So if I want to lose 10 pounds, a process goal that I might put into place is having protein at every meal. If I want to run a marathon in under four hours, a process that I might put into place is running five miles every day. So that's the process. Then the next level of goal are identity goals. And while identity goals can also kind of be process and, excuse me, outcome goals, um, identity goals support the kind of person that you are and the kind of person that you're trying to become. So I want to lose weight could be an identity goal if you're trying to become the kind of person who is healthy and fit. But if you want to lose weight because you want to look good in your bikini or you want to look good in your bathing suit, but you still want to be the kind of person that goes out and parties, which not, and that's, please understand, not in a judgmental way, it's just showing the difference between the two, then it's not an identity goal. It is still just an outcome that you're trying to achieve. So the reason that I bring up these three goal layers, if you will, and I, I don't say that in the, in the sense that like you shouldn't have all three. You should have all three. They're all very useful. But the closer that you get to identity goal, the more purposeful likely that you're going to be with your actions. Going back to that example of wanting to lose weight, if you want to lose weight simply for the fact that bathing suit season is coming up, you may get there, but it's, not, it's very unlikely that it's going to stay there. But it's also mostly unlikely that you'll actually get there in the first place because it's just a thing that you're trying to accomplish for the sake of accomplishing for an externalized reason. Those can be motivating to a degree, but it's not really going to help you be purposeful with, with your action. So the closer we can make it to the center of that goal continuum, if you will, not a continuum, but that goal uh, circle. You can think of the outer part of the circle as outcome goals, the middle part of the circle as process goals, and the target, the middle of the circle, as identity goals. The closer we can get to identity-based goals, the more likely that we are to be able to continue our actions and be more purposeful with our actions. So one thing that can help you move toward more identity-based goals is by asking why do you want to achieve this thing three times. Literally asking why three times. So what does that look like? So since I've been using it so far as an example, let's say you want to lose 10 pounds. Why do you want to lose 10 pounds? Uh, because I want to look good in a bathing suit. Why do you want to look good in a bathing suit? Because it makes me feel good about myself. Why do you want to feel good about yourself? Because when I feel good about myself, then I am able to uh, connect better with people around me. Bam. That's your identity goal, if you will. You want to be the kind of person that connects well with people around you. And if you can make that connection to the outcome goal that you're trying to pursue, then at least you have something. If you just start with, I want to lose 10 pounds because I want to, uh, because I want, look, want to look good in my bathing suit, it's, it's still very surface level and it's going to be much harder for you to continue to move forward. But the closer you can get to that identity, the 
the more likely you are to be able to be purposeful with your actions. And that's what this is about. When you're trying to make change, a lot of it starts with those surface level things, those quote unquote superficial goals, which again, are not bad. It's not like don't have superficial, like you want to court, like we all want to feel better about ourselves. We all want to look, whatever it looks like, whatever that is like, of course, and that's, that's okay. And yet you want to dig deeper. If, if you want this to be a sustainable thing that you want to continue to pursue. If you don't, that's fine. If you just want to look good for the summer and then after that, you don't care. Fine. That's fine too. But if you want it to be something that keeps going forward and that you continue to pursue the rest of your life and you're always in pursuit of this idea of mastery, then you need to move closer to identity. And by doing that, or by asking yourself why three times, that will be a way to help figure out what is that, that identity self that you're trying to pursue. So why are you trying to pursue the outcome? Why again, and then why one more time? Okay, that is one simple way to start to be more purposeful with your actions. Again, if we go back to our analogy at drawing back your bow and uh, notching your arrow, drawing back your bow and aiming, if you're just doing it because you think it's fun, then you might just draw back your bow and just keep letting them fly, which is fun, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but if you want to be purposeful and you actually want to potentially hit your target, you might you might put a little more effort into it, okay? And that's the connection um, between those two. So if we look at the other part of this quote then, Seneca, let's go back to the quote that we said at the beginning of this episode. Seneca told us, in short, the wise man looks to the purpose of all actions, not their consequences. Beginnings are in our power, but fortune judges the outcome, and I do not grant her a verdict upon me. So we looked at the first part. The wise man looks to the purpose of all actions, not their consequences. Now we're going to look at this second part. Beginnings are in our power, but fortune judges the outcome. Fortune judges the outcome. So what does he mean when he says fortune judges the outcome? Well, previously, like previously meaning three minutes ago, we talked about how outcome goals are very, it's very hard to be, to stay motivated with just an outcome goal. If you just have that goal, but it matches nothing about who you believe that you are, it's very challenging. Uh, it's very challenging to keep moving forward toward that. And yet, when you take actions, hopefully it moves you closer. But when you're all of a sudden confronted with an obstacle, if you just have that outcome goal and it's not attached to who you believe that you are, you're going to be much more likely to stop. So if we think about those actions as we're moving forward, then when we are simply pursuing an outcome goal, we will be more likely to give up if we're going after something because we take an action and it doesn't work out and we think that every action should always move us toward our goal. If we think that every action should always move us toward our goal and we think that we control whether or not we achieve that outcome, then 
it's going to be much harder on us to then overcome an action that is not moving us forward. In other words, if we believe that going from point A to point B is a smooth ride and transition, and we think that we control that the whole way through, it's going to be much harder when we realize that we actually don't control it and the thing that we're currently doing isn't working anymore. So therefore, we have to either do something different or give up. And those probably aren't the only two options, but those are the ones that we think are the only two options. Um, then if we're not attached to an identity-based goal, it's going to be much harder to make that jump and make that loop forward. If instead, of course, we're attached to that identity-based goal, which is allowing us to be more purposeful, and we also understand that the only thing that we do control are our actions and not the, uh, the actual happening of the outcome itself or the actual coming of fruition of the outcome itself, then we can start to understand that it is fate that, and fate you can use, we'll define what that means in a second, but it is fate that helps us get there or it is fate that allows us to achieve the outcome. We only control our actions. We only control whether or not we have the meal that we say we're going to have, whether or not we follow through with our workouts, whether or not we wake up every morning and meditate like we say we're going to do. What we don't control necessarily is if we achieve the outcome that we're after. We, have, we do not have 100% control over that. We have some control. Fate defines whether or not we get there or not. And what I mean by that, or what uh, Seneca means by fortune judges the outcome, is that we have to appreciate that there has to be an alignment of our actions and there has to be an alignment of just our lives in general to get to the thing that we're after. If we can change our mindset about obstacles and not look at obstacles as this mountain that is all of a sudden thrown up in front of us and we can shift our mindset to this is just fate intervening and saying this is just the path that you have to take now then we can start to see that all i have to do is change my actions and then i'll continue to move forward if i change my actions in a way that is going to continue to support my goal so this idea in psychology, in another context, is the difference between post-traumatic stress and post-traumatic growth, if you will. This isn't a direct correlation or direct connection, but I'm going to make a connection here and we'll see how. So in psychology, there's post-traumatic stress disorder, and I'm sure a lot of us have heard of that, especially anybody in the armory, Marines and whatnot, um, when those people tend to come back from the army. A lot of times they have a hard time getting back into regular civilization because they've had a lot of stress and they have um, negative mental consequences based on that. On the other end of that, people who have been in the same situation have come back and been stronger, more mentally resilient and grown and prospered based on that. So on both ends of the spectrum or both ends, we have different things. We have post-traumatic stress disorder. And we have post-traumatic growth disorder, if you will. When it comes to obstacles, 
the same thing can apply. When you are confronted with an obstacle, you can get stressed about it and you can break down about it and you can be fearful about it. Or when you're confronted with an obstacle, you can think of it in a growth manner. You can realize that it is a thing that is simply making you better. You can come to an understanding that fate is simply intervening and going, uh, you got to overcome this if you want to actually become the kind of person that you're trying to become. So how you approach the thing, the mindset with which you approach the thing, will define and decide to an extent how you interact with an obstacle once you're confronted with it. When you're confronted with an obstacle, if you're going after it with the understanding that fate will determine whether or not I achieve this outcome, when you're confronted with that obstacle, you're going to be much more likely to look at it as a growth opportunity. Whereas if you look, if you're pursuing something with the idea that I need to do everything perfectly in order to achieve this, when you're confronted with that obstacle, it's much more likely that you will uh, flee in fear, if you will. So by accepting that our actions are under control, but the completing the thing, achieving the outcome is not 100% under our control, we can more easily overcome obstacles because we see them as just a delivery of a potential for growth. And if you see that potential for growth, then you will slowly over time become the kind of person who can overcome obstacles and achieve the thing that you're trying to achieve. The more often you do that, the easier it becomes, the more likely it is that you will step over the next, next obstacle once it shows up. Remember, step forward into growth or back into safety. And the more often you do either one of those things, the more likely you are to do the same thing the next time. And that is it for today. Let's do a quick review. We'll look at some questions and then we'll wrap up. So remember the stoic archer and his arrow and bow. The more purposeful you are with your notching your arrow, drawing your bow, and aiming, the more likely you are to hit your goal. But once you let go, really you have no control over it. So you have to be purposeful. And when you're pursuing something, the closer you can be to having to attaching it to your identity, the more likely you are to be purposeful with your actions. So ask why three times when you're pursuing a goal. When you're starting with an outcome, why are you pursuing that outcome? And then ask why to that, that answer again, and then ask why to that answer again. So ask yourself why three times so that you can figure out the identity in which you are trying to wrap this around. Next, it is important to leave things up to fate. It is important to understand that you can control your actions, but you cannot 100% control the outcome. You can only control the actions that pursue the outcome. And if you understand that, it will be much easier to, number one, overcome obstacles when you're confronted by them, and number two, view them as growth opportunities and not as stress opportunities when you're confronted by them. If you can do those things, obstacles, overcoming obstacles will become, I don't want to say 
second nature per se, but certainly they won't be the big deal that a lot of us tend to make them out to be. Remember, a million years ago, it was literally life or death. Today, it's mental. And if you can realize that it is mental, and this is me talking to myself, if you can realize that it is mental, then your potential will open up drastically. That's all I have today, my friends. Make sure that you subscribe. Make sure that you share so that your friends can get the good news too. And until next time, my friends, I think I just said friends like five times. Anyway, until next time, my friends, here's to your success and health and fitness mastery.